Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Sean Astin returns to AwesomeCon this weekend at the Washington Convention Center. He joined me in 2015 to discuss his blockbuster career from the Goonies to Rudy to the Lord of the Rings. Sean Astin. Hi, Jason. <laughs> Thanks for uh, joining us on WTOP. Sean is in town uh, for AwesomeCon, which is at the Convention Center this weekend. I came back because it was aptly named awesome con <laughs> no it really was i mean it, it, the people in this around dc and in virginia and everywhere they they came in they were just um it was just a family affair people were dressed up and just having a ball you know having a ball the panel was packed i do like a panel every day where people come in and, and the, the audience gets to ask their questions it's like a rare thing for people to get to ask their uh, actors that they like uh, questions so and it was just it's just fantastic i had a i had a great time if it wasn't awesome they would have to change the name but it lives up to the name like semi-awesome con like yeah it could have been awesome con it was yeah if you weren't there maybe be semi-awesome con well i actually just looked through it's a big lineup there's actually a ton of great people um from lord of the rings and then uh i'm a i'm one of the voices of teenage mutant ninja turtles Raphael, right Raphael, i'm Raphael. how did you know (laughs) someone did his research entertainment editors work hard behind (laughs) the scenes but this is the thing i mean uh, for people who don't know what what these comic-con things are all about these guys they put on a show where they take like Back to the Future or Raiders of the Lost Ark or some cool classic movie and they are assigned to different roles and asked to play, do it with different accents. So they'll nice. be like, hey, play Marty as uh, Christopher Walken. <laughs> and so and people come in by the hundreds to sit and watch these guys just and be you do good. Marty as Christopher Walken? Uh, I, I, sometimes when I, have a, when I have a second, I'll sit in and do whoever. Yeah, I, I, Christopher Walken, I could, I could do Walken, but I could also do, uh, what did they have me do? Usually they have me do, like, you do it as Samwise Gamgee, you know, can, yeah, you, yeah. can you do the, uh, you know, McFly as... Yeah. Give us McFly a sandwich. Uh, okay. Uh, you're my, he goes, you're, you're my density, my destiny. So Samwise would say, um, you're my destiny. You're my, you're my density. <laughs> Samwise would say, you're my density. Would yeah. Gollum have held up with the 1.21 gigawatts? I don't know, though. I don't know. Uh, well, his hair is already kind of toast, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's a good question. But the ring, you know, that's kind of what it's like. It's like if you could actually hold the 1.21 gigawatts, that's probably what the ring does to you. Yeah. I didn't know Sean Aston did impressions i mean we've had frank caliendo in here before mm-hmm. but you're yeah you're i didn't right do it. I mean, we could do others i don't know i don't know i don't know. but but the point is that the the convention setting has all this cool stuff that people don't get like there's artist alley where comic book artists are there and they're drawing pictures kind of you know responding to fans you know and and uh and and not just tv and movie people but they, that they know but there's like posters and you know it's just awesome it's an awesome thing to to do 
Now you brought up Lord of the Rings. Which which of you know roles of yours do most people at these events come up talking to you about? Is it is it Sam or is it Rudy? Is it the Goonies? What I mean, what do most I people would, come up? I to? would say you would think it would be Samwise Gamgee because it's science fiction, fantasy, um, and movie. Lord of the Rings is a big fantasy. Um, you know, story and everything. So, but it's actually the Goonies. I would say. Really. I would say more people talk to me about the Goonies and is there going to be a Goonies sequel? And yeah. Goonies was my childhood. And yeah. you know, what was it like on the pirate ship? And people right. just, which is shocking. Shout, hey, you guys. Hey, you guys. Yeah, they want to do the truffle shuffle. People have tattoos. That it's it's uh, um, unbelievable. You know, to see yourself tattooed on somebody's you know shoulder. You're like, wow, I'm I'm there with you at all times. Like, <laughs> even if you know, if you don't like some movie, I'm still there but um the it's the 30 year anniversary of goonies on june 7th 30 years ago yeah. 1985 and it just continues to live and breathe for people it's shocking it's absolutely shocking that it's that big is there going to be a sequel sure yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. I don't, maybe not in my lifetime, but it will happen. <laughs> no, they keep stoking the fire. Well, no, it will. It will. Have, they want it very, very badly. They just, you know, Steven Spielberg is has his own time and space and the way he does stuff. Dick Donner, the director, is got the way he wants to do it, and getting those two guys to come to agreement. And they've hired a lot of different writers and developed screenplays. So they, they're, and obviously. Warner Brothers wants it because there's just yeah. this avid fan base. I always thought it should be an animated series. Yeah, you know the Goonies go on different adventures every week. I thought that could be yeah that could be fun. So what, know, what was it like working with Richard Donner, who just come off of you know the Omen and Superman and then Superman? Spielberg, he just done who wrote, you know I, you know Jaws and everything else was right before leading up to that. So. Well, ET had just come out. Yeah, and Superman had come out. Yeah, so they were the two titans in town, and it you know what they they had kind of a playful attitude about it. You know, they're like, oh, let's do a kid's picture. And then it, I don't know what the ultimate budget was, but it had to be like 60 million or 70 yeah. million. And, you know, that that's like probably 150 in today's dollars. Yeah. I just made all that up. That's but, right. Uh, yeah, we'll run with it. You run with it. You go with it. <laughs> well, people, you ever know, they say, well, there's a study. Like, whose study? What, yeah. what, and how do they conduct that study? Yeah. But anyhow, it was a big, big budget movie. And I overheard Dick Donner one day talking on the phone. He was like, ah, we, and this is how he talks. Ah, we, we, uh, you know, we want to do this kid's picture. Now it's turning into this whole thing. And, and, but they, they also there was a sense of whimsy about it. Yeah, you know there were all these mistakes that that stay in the movie. Me calling Brand Josh his actor name, and they just leave that in there. The octopus thing famously is <laughs> was cut out, and they the character data the character refers to it at the end of the movie, and everyone's like, yeah, whatever, you know. Yeah. So they they I don't know how you capture that like the spirit of that today. Most movies now they're yeah. they're designed within an inch of their life, and and that one was just sort of. I don't know, one of the last kind of seat-of-your-pants seat yeah. moments in film history. And you're a child actor at this point. Um, with You probably just saw you know Short Round in, in Temple of Doom I did. growing up, and then I you're, did. you're at, on set with them. Which it, was awesome. Crazy. Well, you know what? You definitely, at that point, you... And my mother was uh, president of the Screen Actors Guild, the mm -hmm. Actors Union, and my dad mom, my, my Patty Duke is her name, and John Aston's my dad, and who's Gomez in the original Adams Family. And, and they... Um, you just got used to seeing 
people that you'd see on, you know, I remember Emergency. Yeah. You know that show? You're too young probably to know Emergency. Remember, Adam remember. 12. Yeah. Like when I was a little kid, those Adam two 12, shows. Yeah. Adam 12. One Adam 12, one Adam 12. See the man on the, you know. They were but, playing reruns of that the other day. Were they really? Yeah, with those old cars with the one siren in the middle of the <laughs> yeah, thing yeah, on top? Yeah. yeah. So, a little dated now, but. Yeah, totally dated. Like they barely hold up. I and mean, yet those actors would be in our living room having, you know, talks about what to do with the union. Yeah. So, and the, and like you were talking about with uh, with Kiwi Kwan, the, the, who had played Short Round, I mean, they were legendary, but you, you, that's sort of what's going on with comic yeah. conventions now. Yeah. People can get comfortable interacting with right. people that they enjoy in movies and television. And that was my experience. So it actually, in a weird way, it makes movies better because in order for you to really get lost in them, in order for them really to, you know, to affect you, they, they have to be good. Yeah. Or else the people to your left and right, the people who are, you know, you're working alongside, you know, the, the, everybody expects good right. stuff from each other. Right. And, and when you include the fan base in there, that, that you know, I actually think it helps. And it, and it affects it, you know, particularly yeah. in television shows. When you get, you know, Big Bang Theory, which is, you know, popularizing the idea of comic book conventions left, right, and center, and the fan base is so rabid about it, they they echo each other. Yeah. You know? So it's just, I don't know, I think it's pretty Bazinga, cool. Bazinga. 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 I love that guy. <laughs> Let's talk Rudy a little bit. Okay. This, this is one that just personally shaped my own life. It inspired the hell out of me and probably uh, everyone else that saw it, you know, when they were coming up that age. Um, you know, this. so this is a little, you're, you're maturing at this point, you know? You, you, we talked about your child actor days, but by the time Rudy comes, you know, what it's about? What do you think? Uh, eight years after the Goonies, ninety three, I think, and um, it came out in ninety three. Wow, that's weird. Yeah, eighty five, eighty five, six, seven, yeah, eight, ninety, ninety one, ninety two. Yeah, it was seven years. That's all. Yeah. Now I'm forty four. Like, seven years feels like you know, <laughs> a, like a season of something. Wow, so that's weird. Now that you've had some time um, away from it and just have you know seen how inspirational it is, you know, AFI hundred cheers list along with your mom's miracle worker. You know, it's 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 gone down in a big. We picture. actually have that poster. Really, the AFI. I sent uh, anybody who was on it. Oh, that's great! That poster that had the the posters for it was a big one sheet and it had all the posters in chronological order from yeah. 1930 or whatever that included all those. There was hundred years, a hundred cheers, and then there was a hundred years. They made a, a bunch of them. They yeah, did like one every year. I, but I'll tell you what, I put that on the wall, and that was like my I have to watch all these movies list. Yeah. Oh yeah, you know Yankee Doodle Dandy and print it out with a highlighter, man. Yeah, that's how you go down it. No, but to look at the posters, the one sheets, you know, yeah. all grouped together on one page. Yeah. There's something really special about that. What but be a part of that in terms of really being this legacy of an inspirational incredible you cry every time at the end it's incredible it's to feel like you've yeah it's a great it's a great feeling and to, and to have my mom miracle worker and rudy there um very very special i i looked at that for a long time when i saw that poster and <laughs> i called my mom and and we just you know you, you want you want what you do to mean something to people. You want to make a difference. So um, the truth is I had just gotten married. I was I got married at I was a little over 21, so I was pretty young when I got married. But yeah. my wife's uh, family was from Laporte, which is just 20 minutes west of South Bend. Okay. So when we came back kind of a year and a half into getting together, and uh, I was like – Caesar at the head of 5,000 men, you know, like <laughs> the mayor was welcoming us. We were on the cover of the South Bend Tribune and, right. you know, there were the motorcades and it was like, right. it was sort of silly. But at the same time, the heart of that performance, the heart of that movie, like the spirit of the movie really was me. Like it was, it's everybody, but, right. but 
Vince for my, Vaughn, John Favreau. The, right. I was just thinking of Vince Vaughn. Baby. What a yeah. career he's amassed for yeah. himself. He's he's just incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he he cut my forehead when we were having our fight scene in his big <laughs> talons. He didn't like cut his fingernail, so he gave me this cut, and then we had to match the cut like it healed after a week. Yeah. But it had been seen on screen, bloody, so they had to keep matching the blood the whole time. Uh, maybe your blood is what made him Norman Bates. Uh, a couple years later in the remake, you never. Oh know. man, that's a that's a synergy. I can't I can't follow that. That's a, that's too hard a thread for me. But well, my, anyway, the heart of the movie. The heart of the movie. Yeah, I, I'm Rudy. Like right. you're Rudy, and right. when I I wasn't the most talented baseball player. Right. I wasn't the most gifted runner on the on the cross country team, but I wanted it. Yep. I wanted it so badly, and and I would I tried to prove with my my work ethic that I deserved a chance to get in. You know, and and uh, and not just in sports, in everything. In trying to get acting jobs, in wanting to be a director, in in you know my relationship with my wife, like that that was my that's just who I was. Yeah. So so to when we were doing the movie, I took it really seriously yeah. every day, totally focused, totally earnest about it, not kind of like enjoying the ride of it, like yeah. like sitting back and smiling and like to me, whenever there was a moment, you know, like the Newt Rockney speech, I, right. you know, I was for a day just locked in my dressing room practicing that, you know, and just trying, wanting to make sure I got it right. When, when there was the crying scene, when he gets, finally gets into Notre Dame, yeah. I didn't talk to anybody for 24 hours. I was, I just kept rereading the script and re yeah. and, and because I knew like my name is a, is, is the care is the title character and it's a studio film. It was, it was a tri-star release mm -hmm. and that, I, I felt the weight of that responsibility. So, you know, I I just am incredibly grateful. Anytime fans come up at these things or I meet people in airports or restaurants or like like you what you were saying, complimenting, I, it really means something to me that, that it affected people. It has so much heart in it. And, yeah. And now everybody's been saying, hey, they come up to me and they're like, Rudy was offsides. That's what everybody <laughs> says. Like, there's T-shirts. Rudy was offside T-shirts. Oh, and, you know, people who are like, you know, some people don't like the whole Rudy thing. Like, if you're an SC fan, it, it takes a little something to like a Notre Dame character. Right. But uh, my response to that is... They didn't call it. <laughs> no instant replay. For no the instant replay. That's final cut frozen in time. You're tearing off the field, baby. They have 16 millimeter footage of it, but you know, between well, you know, we'll have to go back and look at the tape. But no, I think I think you hit the key of it. In in you know, the heart of what makes it inspirational and so relatable to everybody um, is that whole notion that um, over time, hard work passes talent after a certain point you know those two lines cross and if you you know you might not be the smartest strongest whatever you, you know um at the get-go but if you put your time in day in and just chip at yeah. it you know another way of saying it is it's an it's an american movie yeah in the sense that you know in this country we one of our core values is that like you just said if you pull yourself up by your bootstraps if you work hard that you can actually advance you can have a life that's that's uh by degrees more evolved than what your parents had i mean there there's all this talk now about this next generation is going to be the first generation in american history to, besides the depression where they don't make as much money they yeah. don't and you know have the same standards or whatever which i i don't i don't want to believe that but but there's there's one scene in the movie where the priest you you know, he gets on the bus because he wants to go tour Notre Dame, and the priest is like, "Oh, Rudy, you know, it's not for you. You need, you should. The key to happiness in this lifetime is is being happy with the gifts God's given you." And he doesn't want to accept that. Right. And to me, that's that's the the key thing that 
distinguishes America from the world, if, there, if this idea of exceptionalism is that, like, you know what, we may we may have a lot of problems, and the problems may be endemic, but if we don't accept our national identity as what other people say it is, you know, our war footing, our, our you know, the, the, a lot of the things, the negative things that people say about America right. that are true, right. like, we don't have to accept that. And I, right. to me, that's what Rudy is. He's like, I'm not going to let you tell me what I'm not capable of. I'm going to decide for myself what I can do. And it's funny because he only played for 27 seconds in one game of his, uh, that wasn't s- significant in any but way. that's what's great about it. Yeah. There's so many sports movies where it's, you know, you follow the team and, and they're great in their own right. There's a place for all of it. But, you know, you follow the team in the undefeated season, remember the Titans or whatever. But this, it was almost like Rocky in a way. And that's why they'll live on. It's those, it's those little personal victories at the end that mean so much more than whether you win or not, yeah. you know? So I, well, the, uh, there's a line in the movie where uh, Pete, his friend, says, you know, having, he says, my dad always told me that having dreams is what makes life tolerable. And, and, that's beautiful. It's, it's just a great, it's just a great idea that you can, you set your goal, you set your dream, you decide what your ambition is. And, you know, uh, there's another phrase that I like, which is your reach should always exceed your grasp, mm-hmm. meaning like you, you should never 100% get everything that you want or else, right. what, you just, it's like, it's a shark and you'd always be moving. For, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so that, that idea, you know, if you want to learn a language, if you want to travel somewhere, if you want to have kids, if you want to, whatever it is, you know, fight for it. Yeah. Fight for it. Fight for it. And you fought for it and, and, and it paralleled your own career and suddenly, boom, 2001 to 2003, an all-timer fantasy uh, epic with trilogy with uh, Peter Jackson, Lord of the Rings. Um, how much did that, going into that, did you know that it was going to be this massive, you know, were there hints that it was going to be this pop culture phenomenon, legendary film, or, or well, all, was it kind of a surprise? All you? three of the movies that I did that I'm known for, Goonies, Rudy, and Lord of the Rings, when I got them, you, it was a Steven Spielberg, Richard Donner movie. They built the biggest pirate ship set on <laughs> stage 16, the biggest yeah. stage in, in L. You knew it was going to be big. Right. 30 years later, people coming up to you, yeah. like, I'm 44-year-old man. People almost crash into me in their car, like, pointing me, like, you're the kid from Goonies. Like, no, I'm a f- that was 30 years ago, you know? <laughs> Rudy, you, when I got it, you're like, the, the values in this movie are so important. Right. I know this is going to be, this is going to go into people's hearts, it's gonna and, it's gonna, and, it, and it may, it has the ability. I, it was actually not a very successful film when it came out. It, it only made, like, like, 25 million, whereas Hoosier is the same, the basketball movie yeah. that those guys made, made, like, 60 million or 80 million. So, it was very just disappointing for the studio and yet it's gone on to assume this life which you sensed it could lord of the rings peter jackson it's a trilogy like they're going to do all three movies before they see that the yeah. first one is successful they're going to pony up like 270 million dollars before all at once you're going to make it like three movies at the same time you knew and then when you got down there and you saw all of the armor and all of the the extras and all of the special effects makeup and all of the sets and the helicopters that we would take to the tops of these mountains and they had 23 cameras and there was it was a machine that was so big yeah. that you knew that it was something but again i could never have i i, I wouldn't have 
you know, comic book conventions, Galaxy Quest, you know, like that that Tim yeah, Tim yeah. Uh, Allen spoof, yeah. you know, and Alan Rickman, like the, the spoof about those genres. They Star Trek, you know, and even Star Wars. I, I love Star Wars. I was a Star Wars guy growing up, yeah. and uh, those were the guys that did conventions. I don't right. think that I even conceptualized that 15 years later I would be, you know, going to 10 of these things a year and having people just, you know, binge watching the movies. They, they'll come yeah. up and they're bleary eyed and they're like, I just watched the whole trilogy yesterday. You're like, that's 12 hours. The extended version is 12 hours. And they're I'm like, I know. three of you right now. Right, exactly. Like, shake hands with the one in the middle. <laughs> and if you, if you say, like, people cry. You know they'll they'll yeah. they'll you shake their hand or they'll ask you to do a, like a line from the movie. You know it's yeah. like a great tales, Mr. Frodo. The ones that really matter. Folk in those stories had lots of chances of turning back, only they didn't. And like it ends oh. up with uh, there's some good left in this world, Mr. Frodo. And you do that while you're holding somebody's hand, and they burst into tears. Yeah. Like I I don't know that I could have conceptualized the impact it would have had over time. And just big picture, you mentioned the, we mentioned the AFI earlier. Uh, Lord of the Rings, when they did their most recent, you know, I think it was their tenth anniversary of the best hundred movies ever made. Lord of the Rings was the newest one, the most recent movie that made that list. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I saw something, and only the Return of the King was on it. And for the few years right afterwards, all three movies were in there. You know, like they weren't ahead of The Godfather. <laughs> they weren't ahead of some of the the, the 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 movies that I can, you know, Gandhi and and you know some of those films that are just unimpeachably perfect. But um, how do you think it changed filmmaking? You know, visually. Well, that's an interesting thing. It really did change filmmaking when when you but. In the in the sweep of a hundred year history of it, I think w at least one of those, you know, at least Return of the King does belong in, on that list. I mean, it, and but in terms of how it changed filmmaking, you know, the miniatures that they used, for example, which they called bigatures, because you would walk into a a, um, a warehouse and you'd see like a really cool model train set that was six stories tall. That was like 50 yards long. Yeah. And you could go up there. You could climb up on a ladder. You could go anywhere on this huge model. And you could you could put a camera right up close to it. And it looked photo real. Right. So, like, that's stunning. The digital work that they did. We were, I was talking in this other interview today about um, Andy Serkis and what he did with yeah. Gollum. And, you know, the technology that was yeah. in place at the beginning of filming was outdated by the end of filming. So they would they kept reshooting and redoing scenes as they got better at it. So, you know, the the the, the sheer mastery of of digital um painting and digital and and working with those you know the the motion capture yeah. Andy Circus I You're think, sitting there acting across from the guy with motion capture stuff. Well, it, I mean, it, this is the thing. It, it all, they were going to do a cartoon. I mean to to put right. it kind of in a in a right. crude way. But they hired this guy Andy Circus who I don't know how they knew Andy, but he came in <laughs> with a sense of mission and purpose that was he was a zealot and it was almost like yeah. too intense. <laughs> but he would rehearse the scenes with us. We would then act, you know, like like, you know, act them in rehearsal, then they would film it in rehearsal. Now it's going to be a, it's going to be an animated character, but you're working opposite a real human being. Well, they actually would paint over him and replace those things. Then, you know, oh, later on that oh, during certain shots, it seemed to work well for that. Or they would once we rehearsed it, once we shot it with him, then he would step off and we would do the a pass where, you know, it was it was pantomime. Yeah. You know, and that and those are great. Then they would go back and when they when they were animating it, there was a a, a a studio with twenty three cameras up in the room, 
up, up in the like in, in a circle around the top of the, the warehouse and a floor that was a certain color and he would wear the lycra suit with the dots all over it and you could sit watching a screen and when he would turn his body or raise his hands you would watch the avatar of Gollum doing it so <laughs> wow. you so and then they integrated all of those things then as they were painting it Painting, you know, they're gorgeous. Just, just the brushstrokes yeah. of what Gollum's skin looks like. Yeah. You know, they layer, put all those layers on it, and layers on it. He would go through and he would talk to the two hundred animators. He'd walk over to somebody who was doing a look where he kind of squints, and he would act out the scene for them and say what he had in mind. And they would, they would change the squinting. You know what I mean? To to look yeah. a little bit to capture his yeah. his performance. So that that, you know, and and now you know you then came Avatar. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And the Avatar was standing on the shoulders of what? And Andy Serkis in the you know Planet of the Apes. Uh, yeah, and, and, yeah. I mean, it, King it Kong. changed film. King, King Kong, Kong. changed yeah. filmmaking for the next. Yeah, you know, we're still. And the other thing was performance. Mm-hmm. That the expectation for because you can have all the miniatures, you can have all mm-hmm. the mocap, you can have all the the great. You know, the digital armies that are ba- battling right. and everything and the sound and the music, which is incredible. But at a certain point, if you really want to care about it, you have to be able to do an extreme close up on a couple of characters who are saying things that mean something to None people. None of that matters without the story or performance. Well, that's, and the dialogue and the performance. Yeah, I mean, and you and so the casting of it, you know, if you're going to do, uh, you know, if you're going to do a, a, a movie now for a studio, they those casting decisions are really really important so um and i got to be i felt like the monkey in the capsule that got shot you know because <laughs> all the work that had gone into it before i got there was it was just overwhelming the costumes and the and the set design and how they it just every every person working on it was operating at the top of their field so you know when i got there it was like Ooh, I just better not screw up my part. You know, I better when it's during those moments where I get my speeches, I, I better be prepared. You know. Well, judging by the people that are crying at these festivals, I'm pretty sure you didn't screw it up. So. <laughs> um, thanks. Uh, we we got to leave it there. Um, but uh, thanks so much for coming in. And and you know, you guys who listen to this, you got to go out to Awesome Con and you get to a chance to meet Sean Aston and ask him everything that we've just talked about and more. And and your your own chance to cry, shaking his hand. Yeah. <laughs> There's no expectation that you cry. Um, you must cry but 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 it, it's entirely possible that you say something that'll make me cry uh, so we can kind of have sort of a, a dueling emotional breakdown mm-hmm. if you want or like a lot of people want to talk about 50 first dates and, <laughs> hey. and the uh and the protein shakes and all that that kind of stuff so <laughs> you can go in the other direction too you can be right. sort of silly talk to him about 24 you know, there's a bunch you could talk to him about you know uh, can i just say something about 24 because sure. we're, we're you know that's national security stuff and uh, you know anthrax and all this kind of stuff <laughs> i was not a jerk in that show like everybody says, you know, oh, you're such a bad guy. Like I saved Kiefer Sutherland. I saved Jack like three or four times. So I, yeah. I just want to defend Where's myself. Thank you, Jack. But yeah, right. not once, <laughs> not one sort of, you know, you were kind of tough, but I guess CTU needed to be run. I died saving everyone. And the takeaway people have is you're kind of an ass in that. You yeah. know? Sean Aston. Thanks so much for coming in, and, Jason. Uh, you, your your uh, your preparation for this interview is, was a little intimidating. So I just want to say I'm glad that I survived. What you know, your questions. <laughs> a lot of it's just stored up here, man. I don't know. It inures to the benefit of the crazy audience. Now everybody, drive carefully and stop texting. <laughs> All right, Sean Aston on WTOP. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time.
I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.